Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast invites members to share their stories about their professional path, lessons learned, and how their experience shaped who and where they are today. My name is Eric Morica, Senior Director, Center on Pharmacy Practice Advancement here at ASHP, and I'll be your host today. Veterans Day is a U.S. federal holiday observed annually on November 11th for honoring veterans from the six branches of the military. We would like to take a moment to say thank you and honor America's veterans for their service to our nation. Today, we'll be chatting with Mike Heath, CEO, Senior Partner, Heath Healthcare Consulting Incorporated, Heather Rovey, Senior Clinical Pharmacy Specialist, Mayo Clinic Supply Chain Management, Aluma, and Amanda Ferguson, the ASHP ACCP VCU Health Policy Fellow, about Voices of Veterans Honoring the Military Service of ASHP Members and Their Remarkable Professional Journeys. I want to first start by saying thank you all for your military service and for taking the time to join us today. We'll start out with a question. And Mike, we'll start with you. Tell us a little about yourself and about why and when you went into the military. Thank you, Eric. Well, I entered the Army actually through ROTC. I received an undergrad degree in pre-med, BS in pre-med from Clemson University, and I had an ROTC scholarship. So I owed the Army four years. Anyway, after that subsequent from my graduation from Clemson, I was selected for pharmacy school. So I got an educational delay from the Army while I completed pharmacy school. And then I entered active duty in the Army and served for 31 years, retired in 2005 after career. So I have a BS in pre-med, BS in pharmacy. I have an MBA degree from Boston University. I completed a BGY-1 hospital pharmacy residency while I was in the Army at Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center. I also completed an ambulatory pharmaceutical care certificate through the University of Illinois Chicago College of Pharmacy. I also completed the Healthcare Executive Leadership Institute, where I have a certificate from the Kellogg School of Graduate Management in Northwestern University. In terms of military education, I've obviously completed the officer basic course and advanced course. I am a graduate of the Army's Commanded General Staff College. And also while I was on active duty, I completed two short courses. One was in hematology, oncology, pharmacy, and the other was in nuclear pharmacy. Eric, you already mentioned, you know, I'm the CEO of my own consulting company, Heath Healthcare Consulting. I'm still very well connected to the federal pharmacy community, do a lot of work with ASHP and APHA. I have some pharmaceutical companies who are clients of mine. Really, my passion, though, is, I would say, in giving back now. I serve on a number of boards. I'm on the Medical University of South Carolina, my alma mater, College of Pharmacy Dean's Advisory Board. I'm the chair of the local YMCA board. I serve on the Pharmacy Leadership and Education Institute, known as PLEA, on their board of directors. And 
I'm very involved with the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy. As a volunteer, I serve on their admissions committee where I interview candidates for admission to the College of Pharmacy. Thanks, Mike. And one thing you didn't mention is ASHP's federal forum is named in your honor. I think through your distinguished service, we, we felt that was, was appropriate. And by the way, I'm still standing at attention. So permission to stand at ease? Stand at ease, soldier. Yes. Thank you, sir. All right. So Heather, how about you? A little about yourself and about why and when you went into the military. Hi, Eric. Thank you. And thanks for asking to be on me to be on this podcast today. I joined the Navy through the Health Services Collegiate Program, and that's a scholarship program that you do while you're in pharmacy school. And so I was in that program while I was enrolled at the, pharm- the University of Wisconsin Pharmacy School. And I first became interested in the Navy after visiting my brother, who was attending the Naval Academy. And I just became attracted to the idea of doing something different and challenging. As far as education, while I was in the Navy, I completed a PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency. I also used tuition assistance to help fund a Master of Science in Pharmaceutical Outcomes and Policy through the University of Florida's Distance Education Program. And I completed a graduate certificate program through the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences in Global Health and Global Health Engagement. So lots of opportunities to learn while the, I, I was in the military. Now I'm currently enrolled in a Heroes to Hives remote beekeeping program, and that's offered for veterans by Michigan State University. As far as my current position, I'm a clinical pharmacy specialist working in managed care for Mayo Clinic, and I also work for Aluma, which is a transparent PBM, or as we like to say, a pharmacy benefit illuminator. Excellent. And I had the pleasure of working with you, Heather, directly at Fort Belvoir Community Hospital. And it was a great pleasure. Taught me a lot about the Navy and just your work ethic was impeccable. So thanks. Thanks, Eric. I really enjoyed working with you as well. And Amanda, who I did not know personally until recently. So welcome. And and you're in a great program and we wish you well. Some exciting opportunities for you lie ahead. Thank you so much, Eric. Well, it's great introduction, great, great hearing kind of the introductions from my colleagues. I'm happy to be on today's podcast with some extraordinary people. And thank you, Eric, for your service. With the interest of time, I'll be brief on my introduction and we'll use other parts of the podcast today to expound on different areas as I areas that I may mention. My name is Amanda Ferguson and I am a retired federal pharmacist from the U.S. Department of the Air Force. I have a doctorate of pharmacy, a master's degree in public policy, which has allowed me to work in the health policy space with the United States Congress through the program of ACE, through collaborating sponsors, ASHP, ACCP, and VCU. Prior to my career pivoting to public policy, my substantive and primary field of practice has been in federal pharmacy at the U.S. Department of Defense Military Health System. My domestic and international experiences cover a broad range of clinical and operational practices, academia, defense healthcare, and healthcare policy. Like now, I chose a career in the Air Force, in Air Force Pharmacy to support a mission bigger than myself and serve the American people. That's fantastic. So now, you know, switching to another question, and we could start with Heather on this one. It's what is your most vivid memory of your time in service? And with that in mind, what was your best part of your service experience? And if you have one, what was the worst part? 
I think it's hard to pick, you know, the most vivid memory or the best part, but I'll share at least a couple of examples. When I very first joined the Navy, I deployed with Fleet Hospital 8 at the beginning of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And that was just a few months after arriving to my first duty station. So I was a brand new pharmacist and a brand new Navy officer and basically didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) So while I was deployed, I was the only pharmacist initially. And we built the hospital out of tents and started it from scratch. So it was my responsibility to set up that hospital pharmacy. And this experience really helped me realize the value of the team that you work with. And that continued throughout my whole career. And it also helped me understand how important pharmacy technicians are. I would never have survived this experience without the amazing HN1 Homes, HN1 Loma, and HN3 Urena Posadas, who helped keep everything together. For best things about the service, you know, it's going to be the people and the travel. I loved both of those things a lot. And I, I don't know the worst part, but I never liked uniform inspections. And I never liked what I called Operation Golden Flow, what is known by most people as urinalysis. <laughs> so thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. I think that says it all. So Amanda, how about yourself? Vivid memory of your time in service, best and worst part, if you have those. Honestly, I will say serving has been an incredible journey for me. Uniquely as a pharmacist, not only do I get to work alongside an amazing multi- multidisciplinary team in providing care to our nation's heroes, I also have the opportunity to lead. I also have the opportunity to lead airmen to accomplish this mission. It's an honor to stand, you know, on the shoulders of giants and like who have preceded us and continue to make our organization the greatest in the world. An organization that's continuously changing and continuously improving. But the innovation that I would see was always uh, powered by and mostly by our airmen. Um, So the opportunity to lead them and watch their ideas ignite one after the other was by far the best part of my job. Yeah, it's nice to really call out our pharmacy technician workforce. They are certainly the backbone. And in, in, you know, in the army circles, you, you call it the backbone of the army is the NCO Corps and our enlisted force. But, you know, same idea with any of the services that enlisted uh, workforce and specifically the pharmacy technicians. Mike. Thank you, Eric. So since this is an ASHP podcast, one of my most vivid memories, there were obviously many in my 31-year career, but when on 9-11-2001, I was sitting in the Hyatt Hotel in Bethesda, Maryland, where I was serving on one of the ASHP committees. And all of a sudden, I think it was a public health service officer came and got me and said, hey, Mike, you need to come with me. And I thought, I mean, I don't even remember his name. So we went up to the lobby and Hyatt there in Bethesda. And on the TV or TVs there in the lobby, they were showing a plane hitting the World Trade Center. I don't remember whether it was the first or second. And then while I was standing there, the plane hit the Pentagon. So, and I remember Dr. Henry Manassi, who is a lifelong friend and mentor of mine, and he was uh, at that time the CEO of ASHP. So everyone kind of came up in the lobby and There was another officer, Army officer with me at the time, Captain Chris King, who was assigned to Fort Belvoir. And I knew I needed to get back to the Pentagon. 
So Chris had ridden with me. So we got in the car and four hours later, we made it in the proximity of the Pentagon. But although I was assigned officially to the Pentagon, my office was, was in another area of DC. Actually, it was not far. It was right in the flight path of the plane that hit the Pentagon. So that was an amazing experience for all of us, no matter where you were. But I think particularly if you lived in New York or Washington, D.C., just the memory of that day, you know, cell phones jammed. I couldn't really get in touch with my wife. I think it was like five or six hours before we finally able to communicate. She was working at Georgetown University as a nurse practitioner. But, you know, subsequent to that, just although I was a chief pharmacist for the Army at the time and still had that responsibility, my world and all of our worlds really changed and, you know, doing whatever we needed to do. And just like Heather and also Amanda mentioned, uh, teamwork that came together after that. Otherwise, my deployment during Operation Desert Shield and Storm, I had a similar experience as Heather. I volunteered to be... uh, tent team leader to help set up once we got our tentage and the depth meds, which is uh, inflatables and kind of trailer things that all come together in an environmentally secure unit. So that was quite an experience. But really, the most vivid memory is the extraordinary people, the officers enlisted and civilian staff that I had the privilege of serving with during my career. They were just amazing. I learned so much from them. I tried to do my best to, when the team did good, to give the team credit, not me credit, but the team, because everything that was resulted in success was because of the team effort. I really can't think of a worse part, I guess, for me, you know, and all of us who have deployed when we wear the uniform, just the separation from your family. But you work through that. And, you know, God bless our family members who wear the uniform in a different way and are supportive of us, all of us in uniform when we have deployed. So other than separation, periodic separation from family during deployment, that, you know, there was never a worse part. Yeah. And I will say just from personally, you were always there for not only me, but all the officers, if we needed something, we were never a distraction to you. You were never too busy to circle back with, with the officers under your steed. So we, we all appreciate that. And I appreciated all of you. So Amanda, I want to focus and pivot to some interesting projects or accomplishments while serving as a pharmacist in the Army. Yes, thank you. So outside of the deployments um, and travel, being able to travel the world, I would say the one project that was probably the most rewarding was the total pharmacy remodel at my last duty station in Charleston, South Carolina. It was an expedited timeline, about six months, but we were able to replace the complete workflow of the pharmacy and change as many of the the manual labor components to automation, which helped decrease our wait time from two hours to 15 to 20 minutes. And giving patients the opportunity to get a text message through a kiosk system that we used. And then also when the pharmacy was closed, implementing innovation outside of the pharmacy where it was kind of like a medication ATM machine. So if we weren't open, they still had access to their, their care. One of the most, not only was it an attractive remodel, it was effective and efficient. And just being able to serve warfighters and their families in that way it was a huge deal for me and my team at that time. 
Well, I actually made use of that this morning for a visit I had. So that got that text message activated to prescription. So it worked out actually very well. And I saw they did have the ATM-like machine for will call type meds. Yes, awesome. Mike, interesting projects or accomplishments while serving as a pharmacist in the Army? Well, any accomplishments, again, it was a team effort. Not, you know, I was one member of a team. But I would say several things come to mind. Most importantly, when I became the pharmacy consultant to the Army Surgeon General, what I really appreciated and learned from and tried to contribute to was a collaborative efforts between myself and my sister services, specifically the Air Force, the Navy, and also the Coast Guard, to a perhaps lesser extent, but equally important on occasion to VA and public health service. So I would say collaborative work with the other services. Also, while I was on active duty, I was involved with the formation of the, initially it was the Army Pharmacoeconomic Center. And within a few years after the Pharmacoeconomic Center, I still call it the PEC. I know that's not the correct term any longer, but that became a Department of Defense Agency. And eventually it rolled up under TRICARE Management Agency and now the Defense Health Agency. Also, I would say the initial coordination of the deployment prescription program, this occurred in 2003-2004. Lieutenant General James Peake was one of the certain generals, the last certain general I served under, and I received a call from his secretary, hey, Mike, General Peake wants to see you, so I went to his office and Brigadier General Sheila Baxter, who was the chief of the Army Medical Service Corps and also the chief of medical logistics for the Army, he had called her. General Peake had just come back from Iraq. This was like the March 2003 timeframe, I think. And he looked at me and he said, Mike, soldiers are running out of meds. Sheila, medical supplies broken. The two of you get together and fix it. So you know what? General Baxter and I got together and with many other team members, we figured out, okay, how do we skin this cat, so to speak? And we started a prescription deployment program for the real challenge with that was our reserve soldiers who were coming on active duty are being mobilized because we had no idea what meds they were on unless they told us. So Anyway, that was something I'm really proud of with everyone under my leadership who worked along with me. And it's gone, you know, full forward since, you know, well beyond when I retired. And it's a, still a great service. People sometimes don't think, oh, soldiers on meds. Gee, I didn't think about that. Yes, you know, soldiers have high blood pressure, asthma, et cetera. And they take medicines for medication for chronic illnesses. So that was something good. Also, I think when I became the chief pharmacist for the Army, Army pharmacy was really broken in terms of us being able to recruit officers. So I was involved working with the Surgeon General and the Deputy Surgeon General, and we were able to begin loan repayment and then later on transition to a health profession scholarship program as a recruiting tool to attract individuals from the civilian sector because the ROTC pipeline had really dried up, more or less. So that was something else that I really enjoyed. And then I guess lastly, 
was the initial enterprise-wide automation package for Army Pharmacy. Everybody had been doing their own thing, and I was able to secure about $20 million from the Army Surgeon General, and so we began to have an enterprise-wide approach to automation, particularly initially with our ambulatory outpatient pharmacies. That's just a brief overview of many things, so thank you. Heather, let's close out this question with you. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I have to say thanks to you, Mike, for helping form the PEC. That was my last duty station. I worked for what's now called the formulary management branch. I'll tell you, if you want to work with some super smart people, that's a place to go. I learned a lot about managed care there and some amazing pharmacoeconomists and uh, clinical pharmacists that that are doing the formulary reviews. Really incredible. I guess to, to answer the question, I would say there's so many cool things I got to work on in the military, but I'll highlight a couple of them. One of them was when I was working for Lieutenant Colonel Eric Maroika. He was my supervisor at Fort Belvoir Community Hospital. This is where I got to spend a bunch of time with the Army there. And that opened as a brand new facility in 2011, and I served as the assistant chief of pharmacy at the time. It was brand new. We got to start pharmacy services completely from scratch in a new facility with new staff and just had an amazing team. So it was a tough, very, very busy outpatient pharmacy with over 2,000 scripts a day. So trying to start that day one is hard, but at the same time, incredibly, incredibly rewarding because when there aren't processes already in place that you kind of have to fight people to change, you can build them from scratch and really focus on pharmacy care as we thought and hoped it should be. So that was really neat experience. Another thing I'd highlight is I really enjoyed serving as the chair of the Navy Pharmacy Advisory Board. That's a board that's made up, again, of some super smart, hardworking, both military and civilian Navy pharmacists and technicians. And they're tasked with developing the guidelines and regulations for Navy pharmacy for standardization and modernization purposes. I don't know that I have a specific thing to call out as what we accomplished. There were quite a few things over those years, but just really enjoyed the process, working with these people, hearing the enthusiasm and the ideas and the collaboration and being able to put those things into practice. So thanks for letting me share that. Thanks. And thanks for the call out. That was not necessary, but was a pleasure working with you previously. So Mike, we'll start this next question with you. you What are some life lessons you learned from your military service and how did your time in service affect the way you relate to others? Well, I would start off, Eric, by saying I would say when I joined the Army, I was not a natural born leader. But I learned the importance. If you're an officer, you're expected to lead. And so, you know, I learned the importance of leadership. Also, the Army taught me the importance of lifelong learning throughout your military career, both civilian education and military education. Probably the best thing I learned was from my first non-commissioned officer, Master Sergeant Earl Jackson, who was had served in Vietnam. And he took me aside more than once, but he taught me about the importance of taking care of your people. That didn't mean necessarily that you always gave everyone what they wanted. Sometimes you had to do tough love. But, you know, the importance of 
just taking care of your people. I mean, it's kind of common sense, really, you know, and treat your soldiers, your civilians, your enlisted staff, other officers that you work with, your support staff, treat them the way you would want to be treated or the way you would treat your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your husband and wife, your children, etc. And I think the importance of leading by example, I already alluded to this on a previous question. I think it's so important to always acknowledge and give credit to your team. When you're a leader of a team and the team does good, give credit to them. Hey, way to go team. You did good. Not I did good as your leader. So acknowledging your team. Most importantly, and my wife says I still need to work on this, is to be a better listener. First, seek to understand, then seek to be understood. And how you seek to understand is listening, listening to your people, or if it's a patient, you know, and a patient complaint, just let the patient blow the wind out of their sails. And then you can say, I'm sorry this happened. I apologize. How can we move forward? But I think being a better listener is an important lesson I learned in the Army, and I'm still working on becoming a better listener. Heather, life lessons. And how did your time and service affect the way you relate to others? Yeah, again, I think there's a lot of life lessons that you learn over the time you spend in the military, especially if you were in as long as I was. But I think one of the things that I truly enjoyed about the Navy pharmacy community, and I've seen it in the other services as well, is that camaraderie and willingness to help each other. I knew that I could send an email or pick up a phone if I encountered some problem or question I had to answer and say, hey, have you done this before? Do you have any ideas? And people would answer the phone or respond to the email and help. And that just meant a lot. Or maybe you just needed to talk to someone and commiserate about a bad day. And there were people that were very happy to help you with that. So I think my life lesson from that is I somehow wanted to recreate that a little bit after the military. So I think this happened a little bit by luck, but also during the interview process, when I was looking for post-Navy jobs, I really felt that was important to see, was I not just, is this the job that's the highest paying or, you know, whatever, but am I connecting with the people that I'm interviewing with and talking to? Because you do spend a lot of time with these people, um, even if you work remotely like I do. And so I do feel really blessed that I've been able to find something similar in my post-Navy life that my, my small Aluma team is a really great group as well. I think the other thing, and I'm still learning this, is work-life balance. It's just an ongoing struggle because there's so many things you want to be excited about accomplishing at work. And at the same time, you need to take some downtime and enjoy life with your family or with others. So again, like I said, that's an ongoing process, but I am working to do a better job of that in my post-military life. Amanda, how about yourself? What has been contributed so far has been so great. I think for me personally, I would have to focus on leadership. The leadership is challenging and so rewarding at the same time. And there's honestly no leader that has figured it all out. And to be better leaders each day is a process through which we are continuously working, especially as the mission changes and people change, sometimes rapidly, sometimes over time. Yeah, and I would say the common thread from all three of you are, are listening. Selfless service as a leader and putting others before self. You know, Mike, you really focused on that listening. And I, and I can honestly say you, you're probably one of the best listeners I've ever, ever known. And just patient. At least if you're not patient, it never comes across that you're not patient. It's always been something appreciated. 
And with Heather, the life work balance, I think it's more integration. I haven't figured it out either. So don't feel bad. So let's pivot now to life after the military, the friendships you may have forged after the service. You know, have you joined a veterans organization? Had this given you an opportunity to get more engaged in a professional association? Along with those friendships, have you attended military reunions of some sort? So Heather, we'll start with you on that one. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I would have to say some of my closest friends are those I made while serving in the military, particularly overseas, where you kind of get thrown together a lot. You're each other's lifeline. I just retired last fall, so I haven't really thought about military reunions yet. But I guess my husband does tease me that I should get my Navy retired ball cap that you see on many proud veterans. And I haven't quite taken him up on that yet, but I'm thinking about it. But I am still engaged with military and veterans. I'm serving as the chair of the board for a small nonprofit organization called Lutheran Military Support Group. And also recently started working with the veteran MERG, it's called, which is the Mayo Employee Research Group. And so we'll be planning our Veterans Day activities coming up for this year. And then I guess when you talk about professional organizations, this is something I actually learned in the military, the value of those professional organizations. So I do plan to continue to remain engaged in them as well, especially, of course, with ASHV. So thanks. Thanks. And Amanda, let's hear what you have to say about this. I agree with Heather. I believe some of my closest friendships came from my time serving in the military. And of course, you know, I'm so thankful for that. While many of my association memberships now are policy related, I'm still a member of ASHP and I am looking forward to mid-year, the mid-year meeting this in December where I'll get to see a lot of my colleagues from the military. Thanks. And then Mike? Eric, I would say absolutely many service friendships continue to this day, and you're you're one of my most valued colleagues and friends, and I'm so very proud of you, and I didn't say this initially, but I'm standing at attention while I'm saying this. Thank you for your service, and you continue to serve today in so many ways, so thank you. But yes, a lot of my friendships continue that I made in the military, not just the Army, but the Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, Public Health Service, and VA. Not that I'm in contact with everybody every day, but with several of my close friends, I know if there was ever significant need that I had, not that I would do this, they would have my back, so to speak. I could reach out and say, hey, I just need somebody to listen or whatever. And that goes back to a point Heather made about the camaraderie. You you can't, it's priceless, the camaraderie that we all experienced during our time in the military. You, you really can't put a price tag on it. I am professionally engaged, particularly with ASHP. I have attended a, a few reunions with the Army retiree community. Also, I'm really proud of working with my distinguished colleague, Colonel now retired John Spain. John and I are co-editing the writing of the history of Army Pharmacy, along with about (laughs) a cast of hundreds. John and I may be in the lead in terms of herding the cats, and we've been working on this for about a year and a half, but it's a work in progress. We're really proud of particularly our colleagues who have stepped up and said, hey, I'll write the chapter on the Pharmacoeconomic Center or 
or I'll write the beginning of the book from Andrew Craigie for World War II, that kind of thing. Like Heather, I'm involved with Veterans Day. I actually, for the past several years, have been invited to Lexington Christian Academy Veterans Day ceremony where they have, it's it's like this podcast, actually, except we're live on stage and kind of a Q&A from the students there at the high school wanting to hear about our military service or our time in the military. This past Memorial Day, I really had a great honor. I was asked to be the master of ceremonies at the Camp Nelson National Cemetery Memorial Day celebration. Camp Nelson, which is in here in Kentucky, not far from Lexington, there are over 16,000 service members buried there, some of whom date back to the Indian War. So that was really an extraordinary experience. And I would encourage anyone, whether you're on active duty or you don't even have to have a connection to the military, to participate in Veterans Day or Memorial Day ceremonies. Great. So, you know, about Veterans Day, what does that mean to you all? We'll start here with Heather. I think for Veterans Day, I am really grateful that our society today is very supportive of those who have served in the military. Of course, that, as we know in our history, that hasn't always been the case. And so, again, I'm grateful there's a day set up to honor that service. Just one thing to keep in mind is that while there are many veterans who transition easily following their military service, there are others who struggle with that transition, whether it's just related to the the total culture shock of leaving that military environment, or it could be associated with physical or unseen wounds. That transition can be more difficult for some people. So My suggestion is, if this is something that speaks to your heart, and particularly around Veterans Day, that you seek out veterans charities and help support those veterans who need help and assistance. And Mike? Well, first of all, I think it's important to distinguish between Veterans Day and Memorial Day, which often some people confuse. I have people on Memorial Day saying thank you for your service. But as we all know, Veterans Day honors those who have served or are currently serving. And it's important to thank soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardmen for their service. On the other hand, Memorial Day appropriately honors those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country and the freedoms we enjoy today. In terms of Veterans Day, I really feel strongly about this. All it takes is a simple thank you. Thank you for your service. Veterans or active duty service members aren't looking for, they don't seek that out. But, you know, for example, last Friday, I was flying back from a business trip and in the airport, there was a group of service members. So I went over to them and I, you know, I had on civilian clothes and I didn't say, hey, I'm a retired Army colonel. I just looked at them as a group and I said, thank you for your service. They looked at me and said, thank you, sir. And I know that meant a lot to them. So I think it's the little things that we do, but taking time to thank someone for their service goes a long way and it's always appreciated. Yeah. And Amanda, what are your thoughts on this Veterans Day? I actually could not say it better than my colleagues, Mike and Heather, two very important parts, you know, the difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day, and then also understanding that everyone's transition from the military is unique and it looks different for each person. Some people transition while some people don't. So I'll echo those sentiments. Thanks. 
and advice for someone who may be interested in exploring a career in, in military or federal pharmacy. Amanda, let's start with you on this one. So I would foot stomp, I guess the importance of it being an honor and a privilege to serve the American people and defend our national security. Advice would be it's very selfless work in the moment that it becomes about the individual versus versus the mission or the people. There's a quick climb to then a fall. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot of personalities. The mission tends to be different depending on where you are. So flexibility and just kind of remaining selfless in the effort to serve would be my advice. Thanks. Mike? Well, I think it's the greatest honor, certainly for myself, and I think Heather and Amanda would agree, and I know you would, Eric, the real honor to serve your country. And Amanda just struck on a key point. Serving your country is about selfless service, putting others ahead of yourself. I think there are excellent educational opportunities and obviously leader development, professional development opportunities that will, I would say to anyone interested in the military or federal sector, those educational opportunities, both civilian and military and leadership and professional development even if you just serve one time, you know, a four-year stint, so to speak, you're going to be head and shoulders above your civilian counterparts. Not that you're going to be better than them, but you're going to have experiences and training opportunities that they could only imagine. I would also encourage anyone who is interested in a career in military or federal pharmacy to check out all opportunities. Someone might call me and say, hey, Colonel Heath or Mike, I heard you were in the Army. Could you tell me about that? I'm thinking about, you know, going in the Air Force or Army. I would encourage anyone who asks me that question, check out all opportunities. Don't just look at the Army. Look at the Navy. Look at the Air Force. Look at the Coast Guard, Public Health Service, Departments of Veterans Affairs. There are tremendous opportunities in all of the federal pharmacy community. Thanks, Mike. And Heather? Yeah, I really loved what you said, Amanda, about focusing on service as selfless service. And you need to have that motivation, I think, to be happy and successful in a military lifestyle. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I guess I would just say I really appreciated the opportunity to serve. And the Navy, like Mike said, the Navy gave me so many opportunities that would not have come my way in any other professional setting. So I'm very grateful that for that. I will say I am also very happy to have completed my military service, <laughs> and I'm very much enjoying retired civilian life. So I think there, you know, the, the Navy is not the whole life for you, but it provides a lot of great experiences. And I think what Mike brought up is there are a lot of opportunities, some where you wear a uniform and some where you don't. So looking for those, what might be the best fit for you is great and a good thing to do. And as far as advice, I would say, make sure you do find out as much as you can about military pharmacy before you apply to make sure you're understanding what you're getting yourself into. And this gets back to what Amanda said about selfless service. Don't join the military just for the scholarship and plan to stay at home at the base that happens to be located near your home. It's about more than that. But for anyone listening, you can look me up on LinkedIn. If you have any questions about Navy Pharmacy in particular, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to help in any way. Great. Last question, and we'll keep it brief. 
because we're really getting to the end of our, our time here, unfortunately. But in your opinion, what does the future of pharmacy look like? Heather? Yeah, again, I don't think I'm good at predicting the future. But what I do know is that whatever challenge, whatever opportunity, whatever curveball is thrown at the pharmacy community, I'm confident that my colleagues will find solutions to ensure we can continue to provide safe, high-quality care for our patients. And you don't really have to look any further than the pharmacy response to the COVID pandemic to see that in action. So just to sum it up, I'm super proud to be a pharmacist and part of the pharmacy profession. Amanda, how about you? I agree, Heather. I believe the recent ongoing pandemic has truly highlighted the important role of pharmacists and the impact that we have on patient outcomes. For the future, I'm very excited to see continued discussions amongst policymakers to sign bills into law that promote integrated collaborative care practices, pharmacogenomics, and just how we can break the glass ceiling for our profession and removing like promotable positions or expansive positions for the pharmacy career. Also very interested in provider status for expansive patient care and access. So I'm very excited for what the future holds. And Mike, to round us out here, to bring us home. Okay, well, I think Amanda and Heather put it in great terms. The future of pharmacy profession is very bright. I've seen it since I graduated many years ago. There's tremendous opportunities now as pharmacists being acknowledged as healthcare providers, although we may not have provider status, but that will come. Pharmacy and pharmacists lead the way in healthcare. I mean, let's face it, we're we're at the table and we know the importance of being at the table. I think pharmacists are now and will continue to positively impact patient care. Well, great. Thanks to all three of you. And that's all the time we have today. I want to thank you, Mike, Heather, and Amanda, for joining us and sharing your stories of military service. Join us here at ASHP Official and the Practice Journey podcast series as we learn about how our members seek out, grow, and evolve during their careers. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and to all of our veterans, we are thankful for your service, and we wish you a happy Veterans Day. I am Eric Marika, and thank you for tuning in for this session of Practice Journey podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.